It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 262, entitled Different, but different in a good way. It was recorded on Monday, the 24th of July, 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and I'll be joined, as always, by some WordPress guests. This week, it's Bob Don, it's Tim Nash, and Zubair Siddiq. It's a WordPress podcast, so you know what? We're going to talk about WordPress. Gutenberg 16.2 has some new improvements, especially as regards pattern management and vertical text orientation. We talk for quite a long time about real-time collaboration. That's phase three of the Gutenberg project. Is it even going to be possible? Will we see this at any point soon? We also talk about what we've enjoyed about WordPress over the last 20 years, what things stand out for us, and guess what? Several of them are the same for all of the guests. Bluehost has launched a new way to get your website up and running. It's got some AI juice behind it, so we talk about that. Smush is smushing even more. We also talk about a couple of updates to Cadence and Stackable. And then we get on to some security news. The all-in-one security plugin comes under Tim's expert eye. And he talks about why they might have done things slightly differently. We also talk about the Oregon Compliance Guide and passwordless authentication with passkeys. What even is that? It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This episode of the WP Builds podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more at go.me forward slash WP Builds. Hello, hello, hello there. This is This Week in WordPress, episode number 262. And I am joined by three fine people so that we can natter about the week in WordPress. Uh, in no particular order, uh, let's start. I'm going to get the pointing right this week. In no particular order, let's start with Zubair Sadiq. How are you doing, Zubair? Nice to have you with us for the first time. Hi, Nathan. I'm doing good, and it's an honor for me to be the part of this week in WordPress. And I would love to listen you, Nash, and Bob Dunn, definitely. I'm looking forward for the whole episode. Well, I'm really pleased that you've joined us. Hopefully, it's the first of many times. Thank you for joining us. I'll just quickly read out your biography so that people know a little bit about you. So, Zabir Sadiq is the founder of the Oh My WordPress group. He's the organizer at Karachi WordPress Meetup, and he's a community manager over at WP Experts as well. I have to ask, Zabir, what time of the day is it where you are right now? Uh, it's 6 p.m. here in Pakistan. I'm living in, I'm living in Karachi. Uh, yeah, Pakistan, one of Pakistan's biggest city, and it's 6 p.m. 6 p.m. here. Nice. At least we're not keeping you awake at stupid o'clock. I really appreciate you being on. Thank you so much. Also down there, uh, where is he? There he is. It's, <laughs> it's Tim Nash. And this time around, Tim's camera seems to be allowing him to move. Last time Tim joined us, every time we switched screens, he just froze. It was actually quite funny. But this time, uh, I think he's got the iPhone going on there. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me back. 
And I had a whole set of clothes to one side to do quick games. Oh, well, you can still do that if you like. Tim is a WordPress security consultant. We'll be, we'll be quizzing him later on his security credentials because quite a bit of security news thrown around this week. He has a background in development and systems administration. He has worked with WordPress for nearly two decades. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And he has founded one of the very first commercial WordPress plugins. Today, he provides security reviews, consulting, and training. And as an active member of the UK WordPress community, Tim is also an international speaker <laughs> who likes to scare slash enlighten people at conferences. You can find out more at his website. Easy URL, this one, timnash.co.uk. Nice, lovely to have you with us. Uh, t- what's that plugin? What's the like nearly oh, the earliest? Um, back in 2007, 2008, uh, I w- founded a plugin called Your Members, which was a membership plugin. And uh, we were yeah, one of the ver- first, if not the first, truly commercial WordPress plugin. Uh, nice. Sadly, we folded the uh, it all down in about 2010. Um, but actually, 20, bit, bit later than 2010, 2012, I think. Uh, but yeah, we were um, ahead of our time. We were a, we were a proper company. We had offices and staff, and uh, yeah, we had a, a, a good run. But we were doing stuff that um, wasn't really there wasn't any ecosystem around it. Give you an idea when we um went to the WordCamp Manchester, the very first WordCamp Manchester, we were booed because we were commercial developers. <laughs> oh, different source oh. space. Wow, those were the days, eh? How times have changed. We're yes. gonna be talking about the first 20 years of WordPress a little bit later, sharing some stories, hopefully, from each of us. But yeah, Tim, nice one. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And over there, can I get him? Yeah, there's there's Bob. How are you doing, Bob? I'm doing good. I'm hoping I'll stay here the entire 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So Bob's having technical gremlins. It looks like his actual internet connection is uh, just sort of up and down and up and down. And so if Bob comes and goes and comes and goes, you know, he's not actually trying to frustrate us. It's just his internet is trying to frustrate him. Um, but Bob, you know, Bob, Bob WP is producer, podcaster and community builder at Do The Woo. He also uh, likes writing and sharing stuff more and more these days on bobwp.com. Actually, yeah, go and check that out. He's been working a lot on that, haven't you? Uh, bobwp.blog via Tumblr and oportocast.com. Between times, he talks about... <laughs> oh, dear. Between these times, he talks about feet, penguins, hair, and other topics with my, with me. With, with me on a podcast which we won't name for the sake of decency because we'll get like some kind of strike. Yeah, it's called a S show and uh, it's quite fun. And they're like one of the highlights of my month when we do those because me and Bob just talk that word for about this or so. It's quite fun. If you are joining us, I appreciate it. That's really, really great. Thank you so much. I've just a couple of bits of housekeeping. The first thing to do is to say, if you fancy sharing this episode and dragging some other people in, that would be lovely. That would be so nice. Send them to this URL, wpbuilds.com forward slash live. If they go there, they'll probably want to comment. But but sorry, if they go there and they want to comment, 
they'll have to be logged into a Google account because it's YouTube comments stuck in over there. So wpbuilds.com forward slash live. If you are in our Facebook group or so, yo, Tim, nice. Just helping out there. You could rest your chin right on that little caption, couldn't you? Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> a scratch off the edge. Anybody listening to this will have a clue what we're on about. If you're in our Facebook group, you need to go through one little extra step, which is this one. And the little extra step is to allow us to see who you are. And that is to go to wave.video forward slash lives forward slash Facebook. And if you do that, then we can see who you are. But that's it. That's all the housekeeping bits. Let's see who's who's joining us today. First off, Courtney Robertson. Hello, Courtney. She says, good day, folks. We're now less than a month until WordCamp US. Good. Great. That seems like uh, that was a long time ago. Well, anyway, thanks for joining us. Good afternoon, says Cameron from rainy Brighton. It's not raining in Yorkshire, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're, we're in good shape. Good afternoon, says Peacher from extremely hot, muggy and overcast Portofarayo. I don't know how to say that. I'm sorry, but there. Uh, hi, Peacher. How are you doing? We'll mention her in a little while. Peter Ingersoll regularly brings us a weather update, and here it is. Connecticut is 23 degrees centigrade, 74 degrees Fahrenheit, rising. After a gorgeous re weekend, we're expecting heat, humidity, and thumbnumbernong. Can't say that word. Uh, she likes your hat, Courtney says. She loving Bob's hat. Is that a new one, Bob? Did you have that? In you know, it's, it's one of the newer ones. I got this one when we were in Athens, and then we, before we stopped in Paris. So I bought a couple hats in Paris. So this nice. is one of those. So. I think I bought about four hats while I was traveling around that time. Nice. So. Very, very nice <laughs> indeed. Uh, Cameron says it was raining there yesterday. Uh, okay. And uh, look, you've got somebody to join forces with because Jackson uh, is from Brighton. Nice to have you with us, Jackson. Very, very cool. And Amber Hines, just last one. I'll pop that in. From Equalize Digital uh, is saying it's Monday morning. It is. Well, it's not actually. It's Monday afternoon for all of us. Uh, in fact, it's the <laughs> evening for Zubair. So, uh, so yes. Yeah, but thank you for joining us, uh, Amber. Very nice. Cheers. Okay, let's get on with some WordPressy stuff. Do forgive the self-promotional stuff, but there's a couple of things I always want to do at the beginning of the show, and this is one of them. First thing to say is this is our website. You can see we are sponsored by the delightful GoDaddy Pro. They keep the lights on, so please uh, give them some of your support. In fact, we've got a URL. It's go.me forward slash WPBuilds. That sort of logs, logs, if you like, that you've come from us. But thank you to them. If you fancy subscribing to our email newsletter, just fill out that form. One field, click go, and uh, we'll send you two emails a week when we produce new bits of content. You can see right at the bottom, we're trying to push the Page Builder Summit version six. We've done five of them so far. And in September this year, we've got the latest iteration. I'm just about to start making the speaker images because we know who they all are now. Uh, but if you are a a company in the WordPress space, and you would like to get in front of that audience, we're actually looking for some sponsors at the moment. This page, WP, sorry, it's pagebuildersummit.com forward slash sponsors will give you all of the lowdown on all of that. So pagebuildersummit.com forward slash sponsored. We'd love to get you, your company, whatever it is that you do. If you're in the WordPress space and you're interested, let us know. Also, we spoke to spoke about Peach, I spoke to Peach just a second ago. 
we're having another live UIUX show tomorrow um, where Peter takes apart some websites. In the past, we've done any website which came our way. Peter's changed the rules of, of uh, engagement a little bit. What she's after now is non-profit, charity, or passion projects. So the ones where you're sort of doing it for a philanthropic reason or it's a pet project of your own. This page, wpbuilds.com forward slash UI, is a good place to go to let her have that information about what page you'd like to be looked at. Because there's a little form there, fill it out. And uh, you never know, you might get yourself on the show. But we're doing that tomorrow, 2 p.m. UK. Basically, this time tomorrow, I'll be here. But those three people below me will all be Peacher. So that'll feel weird to you, won't it? So next one and last one is that we're doing our, we've started a new series. It's all about static WordPress sites. And we've done one of them. We've got four in our new webinar series. They're all being done with this chap, Patrick Posner. There he is. And Patrick has a plugin called Simply Static. And it basically flattens your WordPress website. You click a button, out comes HTML, CSS, possibly some JavaScript, flattened files. You chuck it over to somewhere like GitHub or Netlify. And uh, you can more or less have a website for free. I mean, it's pretty close to free. There's some restrictions, forms and search and all of that kind of stuff are a bit interesting, but we're getting on to that. But if you fancy joining us, we're doing that again on Wednesday, 3 p.m. this time. So I've got three live shows, this one tomorrow with Peter, Wednesday with Patrick, and there is no more for me to go on about. So there we go. Thank you very much for putting up with me. Uh, so, Peacher, thank you. She says we've got a slot free for tomorrow's show. So, yeah, go for it. WPBuilds.com forward slash UI. And Daniel, hello, Daniel. You're joining us from Tampa, Florida. Long time, been hiding out. Yeah, we've been here every week, Daniel. We've missed you. Thank you for, thank you for coming back. All right, let's get stuck into the weeds, shall we? Gutenberg 16.2, Sarah Gooding writes, brings improvements to pattern management introduces vertical text orientation. I don't know if you uh, had a chance to watch the video that Anne McCarthy and Rich Tabor did. They did a live presentation last week in which they outlined some of the new things coming in WordPress 6.3. Kind of a lot of this is a bit of an overlap, but not all of it. But there's some really nice stuff, but some of it is perhaps a little bit confusing. So for example, reusable blocks, we've probably just got used to that term. It always felt like a bit of an odd term to me, but now it's gotten rid of. They're now just called patterns, um, and patterns which are usable in different places on the site are now called synced patterns. So you've got two types of patterns, patterns and synced patterns. Think about global, global rows or something like that in a page builder. Uh, so that's changed. You've got differences in the UI, like different places where things have been put. Um, there's also this vertical text orientation, which can be applied to a block's typography settings. So, um, imagine that you're reading, I guess, um, you know, a language which instead of going left to right or right to left goes up and down. I'm guessing, I'm, I think I could be wrong, but I think things like Chinese, I'm not sure how, how widely available that is just yet. But also the footnotes block uh, has been added and you can now sort of, in the, in past iterations of that block, if you lost that, you had to sort of start over. Now, if you just bring the block in and drag it anywhere onto your page, it'll, it'll sort of take you from where you left off. 
The demand tool, as per instructed by Tim Nash, last time he was on this podcast, he basically said it needs to be called the command palette, uh, is now called the command palette. So congratulations, Tim. You, uh, you, you spoke and they listened. Uh, uh, it worked that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also tucked to the bottom of this piece, here's something. Look at this. It also appears the Gutenberg team is preparing for the eventual deprecation of Tiny MCE. Now, Tiny MCE, you might otherwise know as the, I guess, the classic editor. So that little bit just dropped in at the end really does spell a potential moment in time where new WordPress, if you like, Gutenberg and beyond, gets uh, gets a bit of a change. So lots and lots of stuff in there. So I'm just going to hand it over. Zubair, you've not been on the show before. So basically, whenever you want to talk, you just start talking, and it doesn't matter if you interrupt somebody because, you know, we're polite and we'll, we'll, we'll be quiet. So anybody want to drop in, tell me what you think about that. Wow, stunned silence. That's how much we love Gutenberg. Nobody's got anything on that? I think it's... Absolutely wonderful how we can't have consistency for more than two minutes. You mean <laughs> yeah, in terms I, of the naming? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get it. I understand that it's a in-progress thing and pushing <laughs> it's constantly in under development. Uh, but there just seems to be so much renaming of things. I, I, if I can't keep up with it, I have no idea how people doing the documentation are keeping up with it. And the answer, of course, is they're not. Well, that's a so, good point, isn't it? Because every time something is renamed, presumably there is an awful lot of legacy and debt of find, search, replace that needs to be done across a myriad of articles to fix yeah. it. Do you know, I hadn't even thought of that. That's a really good point. Yeah. Just imagine how many tutorials have been written about reusable blocks. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah. Athens meant something completely different a couple of versions ago that works completely radically different. So... You're going to have the two things clashing. And you can't avoid changing names of some stuff, but it happens an awful lot, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. It's quite an interesting. There's a comment in at the bottom of that article by a chap called Steve. I don't know who he is, but he, he makes the point that every time he tries to explain to a pattern, sorry, to a pattern, every time he tries to explain to a client what a pattern is, they immediately start thinking about uh, knitting and things like that. So checkerboards and cross-stitch. And when he explains that in this case, it refers to reusable layouts, they ask, can we rename it to that instead? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, anything on that, Bob Zubair? Yeah. Uh, I think I really appreciate the idea of uh, bringing the vertical orientation because we have uh, the languages rather than left to right and right, uh, left to right. Uh, it is good to bring the Japanese, South Korean, you know, Hong Kong or the, the, the region that we have, bringing those languages in. And it, it will be easier for them to use uh, uh, Gutenberg and blocks in that. And especially it is good for typography, you know, designing point of view. So uh, it will be a good thing. And second thing, in most of the designing software, we use, term, use the term like pattern for the reusable things. These designers make the patterns for that they usually use this uh, or recurring or, or th things that uh, they use this for the regular things. So they, they put the name pattern for it. I guess it's a good name. Uh, I, uh, I agree with that. But you know, Tim is uh, saying uh, something that 
the patron or UA usable blocks, we need much further more documentation and establishment of the names before rather than going uh, steps for this. So uh, I guess uh, these moves are good uh, for the WordPress builders and uh, uh, bringing the vertical orientation will be good in the long term. It says on the post, actually, Zubair, speaking about the vertical orientation, it seems like it's a fairly like the beginnings of such a thing because it says yes. at this exactly. time the feature is only available when the theme author opts uh, in opts in for support of that in the theme. But I suppose that in the future that will become uh, much more widely adopted. So, yeah, thank you for your commentary there. Uh, Bob, anything to add before we move on? Mm, not really. Maybe no. we should just, um, you, we could have where everybody could rename it, it to their custom name and then underneath it could say aka the name that everybody uses and then we That's... could all name little things and then but then the other name would always be there no, actually it's quite that. interesting i have a i have an app which i use to do things like invoicing and things like that and it allows me the ability to completely modify the interface so i can change the word invoice for example to financials and it really doesn't matter i can make it my own um, I guess that could be totally plausible, but goodness knows where. How would you ever? No, 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 how would you ever no, find no, my it? ideas? <laughs> it looks like you want to say something, Tim. Sorry, am I? I'm just thinking that we should actually have votes on all of this, and we can just call it. We'd end up with Blocky McBlockface. Yes, Patton McPatton. Blocky McBlockface. Did you guys? Did Did either of you pick up on this story? It was really interesting. Ages ago, the UK commissioned a, a a large, I think, like a big yacht or something. It was for the Queen at the time. No, it was a um, it, it was a research vessel to was go down. To I apologize. I apologize. It was a research vessel commissioned uh, and paid for by taxpayers' money. And so, in order to try and have this ethos of, you know, we're we're doing things with the whole of the UK, they decided to put out a public vote. What the what this new vessel should be called? The winner, the winner was Boaty McBoatface, <laughs> but but it well it wasn't allowed, even though it was the winner. They decided it was too stupid. I just thought it was brilliant. <laughs> it does live on though. There's a submarine on that. But I think the vessel was David Attenborough. But actually, on the on the vessel, there's a submarine called uh, Boaty McBoatface. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I love that story. Cameron is saying, it blows my mind that we're getting vertical text before we get a list block allowing lettered labels. Do you know, Cameron, I didn't even notice that. I always use either bullet points or the numbers. I'd never spotted that letters were not an option. You've brought that to my attention. Thank you. And Amber's saying, I'm still wondering when the table block will support row headers. That's been a git issue for years now. Uh, and there, there it is, Blocky McBlockface. Cameron has voted. There you go. Um, yeah, so I guess the, the moral of this story is on this, epi on this show each and every week is that you can't have everything. Um, some of it, some things you can have, some things you can't. Uh, right, okay, and, and Peach is reaching out to say, is there a more British comment than that, Tim? Thank you. That's a, I'll take that as a compliment, Peach, I think. Good point. Okie dokie. Right. Now, this is going to be difficult for me to explain, largely because I don't really understand it. 
So what we're going to do here is we're going to rely on clever people, a.k.a. Tim in this case, to try and explain it for us. And this is this is really interesting. Riyad Benguela posted a piece um, on the 13th of July. So it's, a, you know, it's, it's a, certainly older than a week, but not that old, called Real-Time Collaboration Architecture. And in this piece, if you are like me and you don't really understand it, but you are prepared to put in the time to read it and then reread it, and in my case, read it again like eight more times, you do get an idea of what is going on and how they're trying to tackle collaboration, multi-tenanted collaboration, if you like. Think Google Docs, because that's the endeavor of this phase of the Gutenberg project. Phase three, let's have collaborative editing. So me, Bob, Zubair, and Tim could all be editing the same document at the same time without locking each other out. Now, Clearly, that needs quite a lot of re-architecting because WordPress at the minute is just uh, one person edits, saves, hops away, another person drops in. And so in order to try and explain that, they've got some nice diagrams in there, which really help me. And you can imagine if, if I was to show you both of these drawings and you had to pick which is the new one and which is the current one, I reckon you're going to quickly, <laughs> quickly work out. That's current because it's dead easy. It's all going in one direction, backwards and forwards, left and right. And now we've got this one, which is start over here, go off of it, then go up, left, down, right, and then finally. In other words, it's going to be more difficult. Um, but at least they've got an idea of how they want to do this. The technical details are all in there. You can see from my highlights, I've sort of tried to understand it. But this is the this is the sort of spec that they're putting out there saying, let's get some ideas back from developers. Let's see if anybody's got any thoughts about this. And certainly everybody that I've spoken to who I think has got credentials to have authority in this sphere says this is going to be really, really challenging to pull off, largely because not everybody has a, a robust host, shall we say. You might have very affordable hosting a few dollars a month, and it's just about coping with WordPress as it is. You introduce this layer where it's synchronously doing all these different things. You can read it in the post, and it's going to be really difficult to keep that whole stack going. So I'm going to start with you, Tim. If you had to uh, give it a percentage score of happening in the next few years, what would your uh, what would your percentage score be, dare I ask? That's putting you on the spot. Well, I think I gave Gutenberg about a ten percent. The first phase of Gutenberg about a ten percent chance of succeeding, and uh, they forced, managed to force that through. Although the, the, the initial implementation, we all potentially regretted it. But where it is today is much better. But I'm very tempted to make this my prediction even lower this time. Uh, it's it's really hard. There's a reason that you don't get collaborative systems built willy nilly. Um, Google Docs is amazing. Google Docs has had lots of money spent on the infrastructure and backend systems and a huge development team that keeps this going. Other um, software that tries real-time collaboration, you often find, doesn't do this very well. Um, and that's the level that we're going to be seeing here. Uh, the ways to communicate between peers, so that's the... Uh, or if all four of us were editing the document, we act as peers and we have to have separate instances and communicate our changes, not just to the central server, but to each other. 
how you do that. You could use something like WebSockets, but that requires specialist hosting. This proposal is talking about using potentially WebRTC, which most of that work's done in the client. Most of that's done in the browser, but not all of it. So it still needs to communicate to the backend somehow. How do we build that? And one of the suggestions is that you build a centralized point on the WordPress.org infrastructure. Now, every single WordPress site on the planet to be able to edit a post needs to have a connection to WordPress.org. That is a huge infrastructure undertaking for them in the first place, but it's just going to break. Not every website, WordPress website is online. Quite a lot sit behind firewalls in, in infrastructure. People don't necessarily want data going across to random.org servers. It's going to be very messy. Mm. It's going to break. Just imagine the testing that's going to have to go on. And if we force this through, it will be like WordPress 5 all over again, but worse. Because at least you could turn off the classic editor and you could, you could, people could ignore it. This is going to be a lot harder to ignore because it's going to be taking over so many components and so much things could potentially break along the way. So how ignoring how we implement it, how you even roll it out, I have no idea how you test this. I have no idea. So this is such a huge undertaking. That the only way I feel I can see it working is that if one hosting company put it on their infrastructure, ran it for a while, and then said this is success, and then never deployed it to anywhere else, we could put it on WordPress.com and then leave it there. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think that it will get it running on a perfect hosting setup designed for it, and then it will slowly but surely die down and disappear because I cannot see how we deploy this to 40% of the internet. Yeah. It's really going to work. Yeah. Okay. So that's a really, so I don't suppose anybody would disagree with the idea that it's a really nice thing to have. Nobody, nobody hates that you can do concurrent editing in Google docs. It's just such a fabulous feature, but like, um, like Tim just described the technical difficulties of this are really, really difficult. I need, I'll link to this piece in the show notes, by the way, I should say it's called real time collaboration architecture. It's on make.wordpress.org. Uh, it was published on the 13th of July. So you can Google that if you like. Um, and it does lay out all of the pieces Tim just said, and it is really complicated because at the moment you basically load up a post, you click save and stuff is sent in one direction get saved. And then if somebody goes and looks at it another time, it comes back in the other direction. This is, you know, if you've got six people trying to edit a document, who's got the canonical source of truth? How do they communicate that a change just happened to the other five people? And where is the original blob stored? And how do you know that you're accessing the original blob of data and that the amendments that you've that have been made over there have been saved correctly. It's really, really complicated. So, Tim, that's a really interesting perspective. Are you, Tim? Just back to you quickly. Are you imagining then that this will potentially be like a an add-on service in the end, where you might pay your hosting company an additional X dollars a month to have concurrent editing? I mean, potentially. Right. I, right. I can only see that happening with certain hosting companies. And I genuinely think that this is going to be one of those projects that um, 
is going to have to be built by taken on by a team who is going to push it through. And at the end of it, they're going to have something brilliant, but then can't put it anywhere. I, I expect the technical demos to be fantastic. I expect the, uh, the, all the testing that they do internally to be amazing. And then I expect it never to be pushed out. And I feel that's a, such a waste because there is a lot of potential in here. The positive things are that they are looking at it now and already starting to think about these things. And at least we're starting in a position of going, right, we need to think peer to peer, right? We need to think about talking to us four and keeping it as separate from the WordPress instance almost as possible. That's a positive thing because if we can manage that in the browser and not have to worry about hosting so much, there's a chance of it working. Um, but, and I, 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 I feel this is going to become somebody's vanity project. And I think that's going to probably be WordPress.com's vanity project. Because they're just the, the only people I can think who have enough skin in the game and the infrastructure, large enough infrastructure they can push all of these features into. Now, whether this accidentally merges into something, say, Jet, I can see that happening. The, 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 the uh, effectively, the signaling server is it's not on WordPress.org's side, but sits on WordPress.com and it shifts over there. But Obviously, that will cause humongous oh, drama if that happens. Yeah. That, that, the yeah. schism and the drama would be immense. But I almost wish that they'd gone that route to start with. We, we, would, have, we would have years of content on this show just on that <laughs> one story alone. It's just every week, over and over again. Bob, but, anything on this? I know it's, it's no, all very technical. I, think, I don't I really understand. Much, I don't know if you did. Yeah. Tim, Tim is pretty much, I think, said, you know, I mean... You know, ideally, it sounds like a wonderful thing. And, you know, maybe there'd be some facet of it that might kind of happen. But technically, it sounds like, you know, like the podcast we don't want to mention, you know. <laughs> yeah. so, so, I mean, you know, it's it's pretty much that's that that makes a lot of sense. And I think he explained it very well. Yeah. Um, Zubair, anything to add to that story? Oh, I think Tim has explained everything really well. Uh, and you are very right. It could be a potential for the WordPress.com. Yeah, I can totally understand this. And thank you, Tim, for the very detailed explanation. You know, yeah. you know synchronize that thing. Thank you. It's going to be... So this article that I've linked to is really, really... Uh, like I said, it's fairly tinfoil hat stuff. They they introduced this thing called YJS. I presume I'm saying that correctly. Uh, which is a sync engine, which they're looking at um, at the moment. And also the, the the other different things that Tim mentioned, WebRCC and WebSockets and what have you. looks like it's the first foray into all this. So if you've got any got any skin in the game, I guess hosting companies are probably pricking their ears up at the minute, thinking, mm -hmm. maybe there's a little add-on service we can add into our uh, package here. But thanks for all the comments that are coming in. A few of them are related to the... The previous piece. So let's start there with Daniel. He can't help but feel that WordPress is taking the Apple route of whole of building things into the system rather than leaving them to plugins that always handle that already handle the capabilities right now very well. Multi collab uh, is so far ahead in this capability. Uh, Elliot Sowersby just down the road from me in Brid, just saying hello. Hi there, Elliot. Daniel again. Similar thing happened with Turbo Admin being replaced by the command by command palette. That's Ross Wintle's. Uh, fabulous extension stroke plugin. I keep going on about this. It's so good. 
you haven't checked it out, go to Turbin. Ad, tur, just Google Turbo Admin WordPress because I can't remember if it's .com or .io or something like that. But it's brilliant. Go and check it out. Uh, Max, hi, Max. For me, the most exciting news in Gutenberg is partially synced patterns confirmed by Matthias and the upcoming new admin interface. The admin interface does look very cool. We'll probably have more on that when there's actually some... Uh, some we did a bit on it last week, put it that way. Is it called partially synced patterns? I just thought they were now called patterns. I thought partially synced patterns maps were just patterns and synced patterns were the other ones, was everything else. But I could be wrong. Um, Courtney, I'm considering how proactive we must be for accessibility to implement this. Are you talking about collaboration? I guess you are. Oh, no, the command palette has just been introduced, implemented code packages that won't work with... Uh, screen readers. Sorry, that didn't make it on. There was too much text there. Um, we need to ac we need to assess accessibility as a forethought, not an afterthought. And Amber uh, is agreeing with that sentiment. Could collab features, says Nigel Rogers, uh, be an option that is off by default? Interesting. Also, could it be a prerequisite minimum server resource? Maybe checks php.info before activating. So. It's off unless it's onable, and then even then you get to toggle it on if you like it. It's fascinating this because, but but we are sort of going in all sorts of different directions suddenly, aren't we? We've got all these options in in WordPress, which mean that you've got things or you don't have things, and you know you have to go and pay extra things elsewhere. Collaborative editing like Google Docs feels like such a waste of time. I feel that that's probably what Tim felt like saying, but <laughs> didn't say. In 14 years working with WP, I have never thought that I wanted that. There are bigger priorities to improve the project. Yeah, Amber, on that point, I collaborate on Google Docs because it's a collaborative document. I was struggling the other day to think, when would I use that on a WordPress website? And the answer was not too often. Honestly, I can count on four fingers and a thumb the amount of times this year I've contacted somebody and said, I'm locked out. And even then, it wasn't that hard for them to go, oh, I'll just go out. So, yeah, I get your point. Uh, Cameron shares the same concerns. He doesn't see a way that it can be implemented on a way which doesn't kill a $2 a month site. Very few sites have Google-style infrastructure is true. Um, and, yeah, partially sync patterns. We'll come back to that one later. Thank you, Max. All right, let's move on. That was interesting. There's lots to say about that. Let's move on to the next story, which is this. This is, okay, so this is a story about Bluehost, but I feel this conversation could be about any host at all, but Bluehost happened to be the one that got the news piece at the moment. Bluehost have launched this thing called Wondersuite with AI-powered site builder, with an AI-powered site building guide. So first thing to say, I haven't used it, so I don't know how to go through the process, but the intention here is that you sign up for Bluehost um, because they now own a whole bunch of things like they own all the Yith products and they also own uh, Yoast. They've thrown those into the WordPress website that you'll get. But not only that, they're going to be you a bunch of content-related, uh, how-do-you-want-your-site-related kind of questions at the beginning. And then things like what are your social channels that you're using, and then what kind of content do you want to be put into your site? And then it kind of builds the site out for you. Uh, so there's a little bit, I don't know how much AI is in this or if it's just, you know, it's sucking in templates. I'm not entirely sure. It feels like you can say AI for like 
templates, I guess. Uh, but well, yeah, anyway. So this is something that Bluehost are offering. It's called Wonder Suite, like I said. You can go and check that out for yourself. It's now launched. The article that I highlights this is uh, Sarah Gooding's one on WP Tavern. But really, more broadly, it was a conversation about whether this is a, this is a useful thing in the WordPress space. Because I know for me, I just want a vanilla WordPress site, and then I start chucking things on top of it. But if WordPress is going to be going after the Squarespace Wix crowd, this seems like a bit of a no-brainer. If if I was giving my mother a website building tool, I would seriously be looking at something like this because you don't have to have the technical chops to get something minutes after you've started. So that's the conversation, really. What do we think about these kind of tools? And I'll share the screen, take that off, and anybody that wants to go for it, hop in. Well, I think that, um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's, you know, I mean, everybody's been saying, you got to make WordPress competitive. We got to make WordPress easy. So if that's going to happen, the hosts are seeing it. They're going to, they're going to come up with these ideas. I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter what I think, you know, in, in reality. I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, I think it's inevitable. I mean, that's, you know, and seems like there's more and more onboarding experiences. So however, they incorporate AI, which is obviously not going away. Hmm. I'm not saying it's good or bad because, you know, it, there's going to be an audience for it. And there's going to be probably an audience that says, hey, this is the greatest thing since Nathan's podcast or something. I don't know what they'll say, but, you know. You know. Two people, me and also yeah. me. Yeah, well, that's, you know, it's a limited crowd. But. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very limited world. But no, it's really, you know, it's, yeah, it is what I mean, it is. And, and kind of I think famous. it's interesting. I mean, you know, that, that, yeah, there's people that just want, I mean, I'm even looking at what I'm doing with my site. I mean, I'm not doing this, but I want it to just be set up a certain way where I can just create content and not have to worry about everything else because I don't have time to worry about everything else. They used to have more time to. So I don't know. There's an audience, I'm sure. Yeah. You kind of feel that they, I mean, this must cost quite a bit of money. I would have thought to put together as for a start, but also I wonder, I wonder if they've got like, you know, data, which says that there's a growing need for this support tickets, or they've got metrics about kind of customers that they're onboarding and whether or not it's going to save them time in paying content writers to create content for how to make a WordPress website, how to install a theme. They don't have to do that anymore. You just just go through the wizard. Once you're out the wizard, you won't need to ask any more questions. It'll all be fine. Um, Tim's nodding. <laughs> what do you reckon, Tim? Do you like this kind of product or does it, does it not work for you? I mean, having worked at a hosting company, um, and especially if you're doing managed WordPress hosting, that covers a, a huge spectrum from very technical people through to mom and pop shops and people who like really think that managed WordPress hosting means you're going to build them a website. And I, uh, this builds you a website. Um, and uh, you know what? I'd love it if I could actually just like go build me a website and it builds me the thing I want. Will this do that? But I like the idea that it could in potential. Uh, yeah, you feel it is going to ultimately be Mr. Clippy. 
you know, we're going to have, it's going to ask you, do you want to build a website? Yes. And then it produces something, but like, that's not a website. That, that's just, and you're, you know, it's, it's going to be running off to chat GBC to generate me some content. And, you know, that's, it, some people will leave that filler text on there and we will end up with a vast amount of new websites with text generated by AI, with design patterns generated by AI, and they'll all look and sound the same. And won't we be happy? Well, it'll be a niche for those of us actually making content. <laughs> I hope there's some kind of flag for that in the search engines. I, ho- I really, truly do hope that, like, for the likes of Bob and I, who like producing audio content, I do hope that there is some kind of flag which Google invoke, which says, we know that Bob's real because he was doing it long before those AIs came around. And the same for me, because it does feel like that deluge of AI We've based got your voices. Outcome. We don't need you to anymore. We can just, <laughs> That's we, right. we've got enough of your voices. We can <laughs> send it off to the AI and it will come back and give us perfect deep faked versions of both of <laughs> Yeah. I, uh, I have a, I have a piece of AI technology. It's called, well, it's, it's an app. It's called Descript and you feed it. When I, when I started using the app about three years ago, you had to give it 10 hours of content for it to mimic your voice now three sentences is all they need so their ai model can go from not knowing what a human sounds like to more or less getting you correct in in basically three sentences uh i think it's about 15 seconds basically and so i i ran it tried it and actually the model the 15 second model is better than the three-year-old 10-hour model uh, so, so that time, that time is coming, but, uh, yeah, Zubair, sorry, we've excluded you from this one. Do you like, like onboarding systems like this? Uh, we've got Andrew Palmer in the comments saying he thinks it's the future. Oh, no, that's the wrong comment. Where did he say? There we go. He thinks it's the way forward. Kudos to Bluehost is what he's saying. That's uh, been a long time coming. Bold grid has had a site building wizard <laughs> for years. Uh, it is great to see the Andrew message here. He also running an AI kind of product, as you know, uh, Bertha.ai. So he is quite re- quite relevant to that uh, thing that launches by Bluehost. Oh, well, technically, Tim and uh, Bob is right that uh, it will create a similar kind of websites. You know, when you are uh, bringing the AI content and pictures, so it will uh, give the monotonous to the site development. But uh, if I see in, as a business point of view that all these uh, brands like Bluehost and Yoast and uh, it all comes under the umbrella of Newfold Digital. And when they have acquired this, they have they are launching the new products, which is the collaboration and merger and amalgamation of, you know, they have certain child brands like Bluehost, Yeet and uh, Yoast. So the, this is a, a great wonders guide for them. Basically, uh, if you, uh, you know, we, we have an audience as well for the WordPress users, those who like to do things like the AI do the things for them. So they are targeting those type of audience. It, it's a futuristic thing. And I guess uh, they are spot on for their own innovation and the way they are going in it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. This is fascinating. There's a comment here from Amber Hines, which is just really interesting. So uh, uh, sort of r- r- how much clients sometimes care about their website. She says, I regularly encounter WordPress sites for large organizations that have published lorem ipsum posts. 
that were <laughs> never replaced. So change so changing chat GPT text sounds like an improvement. Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> I actually um speaking of AI, I decided I would throw some audio at uh chat GPT to see if it could sum up uh, a podcast episode that I did. So I threw like 30 minute chat it that I did with somebody um and told it that there's one person Nathan and there's another person I actually can't remember who it was but the the guest and I told it to do a several things first of all to sum up what the podcast was about and it did that brilliantly like utterly brilliantly and then I asked it to write some show notes to go on my website and it did that terribly really badly so for some tasks i think they've figured out what that means you know what it means to get ai to do a certain subset of these tasks but clearly the show notes piece not so much but i think the time's coming i'm i think i'm probably on andrew's side here i think the time's coming where these tools will become so good and so relevant that it's almost like silly not to use it at the beginning to at least get you off to a a flying start we'll have to see uh yeah, then i'm um, Nathan, I was just going to say that I, I did that with my, I had like a two, three paragraph description and I went in and asked for a narrative of the podcast from this, you know, two, three paragraph. And it came back like a, a 12 paragraph and it sounded like <laughs> some freaking TV commercial. I mean, it was saying how, you know, the amazing so-and-so has bringing his insights into the global minds of intellects worldwide it was like whoa where do you right you all know, hype just yeah yeah so there yeah. was some real interesting stuff so um yeah yeah it was interesting because that's that's the kind of voice i got back it just it kept talking in this like superlative language about how everything was great and so that's not my style anyway no so maybe there's terrible. a way of maybe there's a way of tweaking the prompt to make that less but the summary of everything that was said was just breathtakingly good it gave me i put the audio in and i think with so that was half an hour of audio which clearly would take me 30 minutes to listen to or a little bit less if i played it faster and then i'd have to think about it honestly from the time i uploaded to the time i got the data back was about eight seconds so it somehow captured the audio and somehow i don't know if it was capturing it on the fly as it was uploading anyway it was utterly brilliant um, Andrew says, though, it won't be able... To, will it capture the sarcasm and wit? I, I don't know what to say, Andrew. I don't know what, what you're talking about. Um, I've never used sarcasm in my life. <clears throat> he said, it's somewhat sarcastic. Uh, what's this one from Max? Hope that the just-released components in Quickly... Never used Quickly, Max, so I'm not really sure about that is part of the show pretty amazing stuff it won't be part of the show max but if you want to send me a link feel free to do that because i have not uh i haven't got anything on them today all right let's go on to the next piece though so this is inspired of nothing really so it's contextually nothing but it was really interesting because i did a podcast episode with a really nice chap called aaron ryman uh when i was in uh, athens yeah, a few months ago now and the whole premise of the podcast was based upon a talk that he did when he was there. And his talk was about the first 20 years of WordPress. So I know what Aaron said. Aaron talked about what his highlights were 
in the first 20 years of WordPress. So we're not gazing into the future. That's not allowed, right? You're not allowed. But I am interested to know if each of you had one or two little bits that were your favorites from the last 20 years of WordPress. Now, I know that I've sprung that on you. I'm sorry. But I'm just wondering if you've got anything which just pops into your head as some favorite bit. Now, it could be some bit of code that enabled you to do something. It could be an event that you attended, whatever you like. But last 20 years, favorite bits of WordPress. I'll, shall I go first? Because I've, um, I've, I've had a bit of a time to think about it. I think for me, um, custom fields would be my, probably my favorite thing that enabled me to move away from the platforms that I was using at the time that I was getting a bit fed up with. Uh, so things like Drupal and what have you it enabled me to come to WordPress. And then when plugins like advanced custom fields kind of bolted into that and made it possible for me to do it in a GUI way without having to go into, you know, all the code, that was really nice. I really enjoyed that. And for me, although I can't name a specific event, it was finding that there were actual people out there who were using WordPress who were quite nice. Um, AKA the WordPress community, because I was probably using WordPress for a couple of years, maybe before I even knew that anybody was meeting up online. I uh, sorry, in person. And then I attended my first WordPress event and that, I thought, actually, these are, these people are quite a lot like me. I don't feel quite so weird <laughs> when I'm, when I'm with these people. So there's my two. So let's go, Tim, you first. Best fit. Um, do you know what? I think I'm going to be very broad and say uh, actually actions and filters because it's such a simple concept, but that's allowed the entire plugin ecosystem and themes ecosystem to exist. Um, and it was quite a radical idea. Uh, if you compared it to other things, if you compared it to like that, we're talking about a time where people were, um, slight things like Magento, for example, yeah. you were putting patches into the core code where yeah. you, you give a pat where, where plugins were delivered as patch files. Same with something like PHP BB and while Drupal had its modules, they weren't anything like how WordPress could do. WordPress just blew your mind when it came to extensibility. Um, so I think factions filters is my, is my sort of like code one. And then I'm going to go with community as well. But, um, so when we started WordPress North, because uh, the, in the UK, we had WordPress South, aka WordPress London, and WordPress North, which was everybody else. Uh, <laughs> and the first time we going up to Old Broadcasting House in Leeds and not being sure that we were going to have anybody turning up, and we had like eight very nervous, very confused people uh, at that first meeting. And... I'd driven for like an hour and a half because I didn't live in nearly at the time. I'd driven for about an hour and a half to this place. Um, and it was mainly memorable for me because I'd parked my, uh, my little smart car at the time, you know, in the car park that I didn't realize I couldn't get out of, but it was fine because there was the pedestrian side pavement there. So I just drove around the barrier oh, escape. Oh, nice. Nice. and I randomly gave a now a very good friend, but a friend, someone who had never met before, I gave them a lift back to Sheffield, which was like an hour away. Yeah. And then went to another, went, drove for another hour to go back home. 
all it's in one night. Thing, isn't it? That whole community piece. I know that we drone on about it, but honestly, like, uh, do, do, do teachers, do mechanics, do they, do they like go to events and just hang out? Do they do that kind of thing? Because I, I think it's amazing that we do. People that are just combined in some way by this interest in this software, whether you're a marketer, SEO, coder, designer, whatever it may be, it's peculiar that we do it. Not peculiar bad, but peculiar, like probably not typical. And I love it. Stories about breaking out of car parks. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's great. Let's go to you, Zabir. Have you got any t one or two things that you love about <laughs> WordPress from the last 20 years? Oh, well, Nathan. I started using the one of my friend introduces me to WordPress in 2000, somewhere in 2009, 2010. Uh, oh, you're and I used to build some literature blocks on WordPress. So I must say definitely the motto of the 20 years WordPress and it's itself one of my inspiration is from blocks to block. <laughs> I guess that is the transformation that I have witnessed myself. So I can say it's a huge transformation that the WordPress that I use is in 2010, then now the WordPress that I am using in 2023. So from blogs to blogs, one of the inspiration and definitely, you know, WordPress community. I think no open source, I can, I can surely claim that no open source CMS or whatever you call has the community like the WordPress has. Like they, they are vocal about like accessibility, diversity, and you know, what camps, uh, Superb, superb things, superb things, and super connect, superb connectivity. It's weird that the three of us have said like one thing, and then we've all said the same thing. That's kind of let's see if Bob can. Be. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, we cannot deny. Yeah, I want to make up something just for it's different. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, like, uh, I always like the um, you know, the the um, the underlying. You know, no, I uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, technically. Nothing's really, I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I think it was back, but 2006, 2007, I was able to build my first site using WordPress for my own business, which was not a WordPress business. And that was amazing in itself that I could mm. do that because I was terrible at HTML and all that. And, um, so no feature except the blogging feature is probably what, you know, kind of got me involved with it and with community. I spent 17 years in the world of marketing, design, outside of WordPress. So I went to a lot of conferences. And I remember the first time I went to meetups in, I don't know, 2009 or so. And then WordCamp 2010, it was like, whoa, this is really different. I mean, compared to what I'd been used to. And it was a good different. Yeah. And probably with the community, I mean, it was just the connections, everything that everyone's talked about. But the one thing I kind of remember is when, and I think it was WordCamp Europe that first started and then US and now Asia, is when the flagship started coming out, the flagship WordCamps, which was like, okay, now we're moving into that next phase here where we're bringing together a larger community. And for that part of it and for events, that was a, that was kind of a memorable part for me just because I compared it to, you know, the conferences I'd gone to in the past, which was still very different, but it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, I mean, 17 years, I'm just, sometimes it's a blur, you know, it feels like <laughs> that's all I've ever done. So yeah. I don't know. 
<laughs> oh, isn't that fascinating how that whole community thing just keeps coming around? It really is amazing because I I think I think it has helped me make a lot of friends, a lot of lifelong friends that I I really do cherish and I didn't expect those to be the case. In fact, if you reround the clock like 25 years, I probably had no expectation that I'd have friends outside of where I lived really because that was kind of the sphere of where you could influence. And fast forward now, you know, Zubair's on the more or less the other side of the world. Um, Bob's on, on, you know, the other side of the continent. Tim's down the road. It's amazing. It's absolutely miraculous. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so community, community for the win. And that was actually, oddly, although that was the long, the, the last point that we made on that podcast episode, it was the longest one. So I think that the guy that did it, Aaron, probably shared your Shared your thoughts. Here's Andrew's thought. Andrew Palmer, page builders, is his favorite thing in the last 20 years. That's great. Yeah. Well, I think nobody can question what that did to WordPress. In fact, really, I think if you look at the data over the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, the upward spike really seems to be very much bound to, to page builders, as I'm sure you know. Uh, Cameron, my favorite thing in core would be custom post types. Uh, although the database structure makes me cry. Yeah. <laughs> it's good and it's bad all at the same time. Uh, you're getting a nod from Elliot. He says plus one for hooks and filters with many claps. Um, and oh, oh, I think you're winning this race here, Tim, because uh, hooks and filters oh, and community nailed it. So he's agreeing with you. I mean, I could and, pick the broadest thing in tech, inside how WordPress works. Oh, I'll just pick the fundamental thing that makes it WordPress. Yes. Yeah, that's that's right. It doesn't matter. It was a bit of fun. But anyway, if you want to go and check that article out, please do. It was a podcast episode and it was uh, episode 84 on the WP Tavern website with Aaron Ryman. So yeah, go check that out. Uh, so I don't really know. Um, I don't really know the technology behind. I've said that a couple of times today. I don't really know the technology behind how this works. But one thing that I do know is that if you are going to make your site quicker, more sustainable, I guess, we could throw into the mix and also probably a little bit cheaper to run, using up less storage. There's a whole load of other reasons. Then squishing your images, smushing your images, we might say, to coin a phrase, um, is an important thing. Now, for me, this tool has been around for almost forever. It's WPMU Dev's smush tool. But just a heads up that they've got a new bit of that product, um, which they are calling ultra smosh. And guess what it does? It ultra smushes your images. How cool is that? Uh, they had a, they had a previous like ultra smosh. I can't remember what it was called. Super smosh or something like that. This, they're claiming that this is up to five times, um, more data that they've managed to suck away than previously. The story, the article here that uh, takes longer to create these smushed images because I guess the algorithm has to do a little bit more work. I'm not entirely sure, but they're claiming five times a reduction in the amount of data stored uh, there. So that's kind of cool. It, have, have any of you guys got anything to say about that? If not, I was just going to move on quickly. It was just me just raising it as a thing. Nope. Okay. In which case, I'll just move on and do another couple of things which are similar in vain. It's me really just promoting some things that I've seen around the web this week. Uh, Kathy Zant, who's often on this show, so it's nice to give her a hat tip. 
she uh, made a live presentation this week um, all about uh, building forms with blocks and Cadence Blocks 3.1 beta. Uh, they've got this much more advanced Cadence Blocks form builder, so you can essentially build fairly complicated blocks. And Kathy showed you how to do that. That's over on the iThemes training website. Again, links in the show notes tomorrow. And finally, on the product side of things, uh, Stackable, Benjamin Intel's been on this show and the Page Builder Summit, actually. Um, they've got a new tabs block. So if you're using their suite of blocks, this is quite nice. It enables you to, as you'd expect, add tabs, but not what, not necessarily in the way that you'd expect them. I mean, that's fairly typical. I'm showing on the screen tabs left. That's fairly normal. Uh, I'm showing on the screen tabs at the top. Fairly normal. Uh, but I thought this was kind of an interesting implementation of it. So the tab here is on a pricing table, and I never really thought of that as a tab. It's kind of nice to build that functionality in. I always thought about that as a, I don't know, a specific block for making pricing tables or a plugin or something like that. But anyway, so there you go. There's three little updates that have happened around the web today. Again, I'll just quickly throw it open. If you've got anything, I won't move on. If you haven't, I'll just go on to the next one. Okay. Perfect. Right. It's Tim up again. Tim, in his bio, I think you heard, he's a security dude, and he likes to scare people uh, when he goes to WordPress <laughs> events. <laughs> yeah, having said all of that about community, Tim, I freak everybody out when you get there. So this piece, it's not brand new, uh, but I thought it would be nice to raise it because I know that Tim has probably got something to say about this. This is the news that the all-in-one security plugin has patched a sensitive data exposure vulnerability in version 5.2. The bottom line of this piece, although we'll get into the weeds, go and update it. If you're not on that version or newer, update it. But Tim, because you're cleverer than me, I'm going to just hand it over to you and you can explain what the heck was going on here and why did it matter. Okay, so all-in-one security plugin is a plugin that does a bunch of security stuff and including in that it does some sort of logging and uh, has an audit log uh, which is stored in the database and uh, or I presume it can be also stored elsewhere but um, it's stored primarily in the database and uh, one of the things it did up until very recently was in some scenarios accidentally put users clear text passwords into the database now this is bad because when we put passwords, we like to keep them nicely hashed and they shouldn't ever come be stored except hashed and therefore somewhat protected. If they're in clear text, anybody who can access the database can retrieve passwords and therefore gain access to not just that user's account, but one assumes that most people reuse passwords. And so we'll take one look at those passwords. And the first thing you do is go off and look at their Gmail account and go and log into that instead, because it will be the same password because people are people. And all the training we try to give you the world, the vast majority of people use the same password everywhere. This is probably quite bad, but that's not what makes this story particularly interesting. People make mistakes all the time. There was something like uh, the WordFence last week published 67 WordPress plugin vulnerabilities. People screw up all the time. And I've made similar mistakes and fixed them. And they are not the first people to have accidentally dumped sensitive data into a log. 
they're a security plugin. Is that and the wrinkle? Yeah. Their response was terrible. If you get a report that says, hey, you're leaking security sensitive data, your response should be, regardless of what you are, or what you build, should be, oh, that, that show that Bob and Nathan do. We, um, we will fix that and probably go and fix it. Then you go out and say, whoops, whoopsie doody, we did this. Oh, we're so thankful for whoever reported it telling us, here's the steps we're going to take to never do it again. What you don't do is say, and I'm going to just go into the article itself. Uh, that, uh, I can't find it now, but there was basically a reference where it's no, it's just in the database. So it's perfectly safe because only admins can access it. So tell us why that's wrong, because I guess on some level, depending on how you look at it, there's something well, to be said there. If, if we took that at face value and assumed that only, only lovely admin people could ever access that thing. We wouldn't need to hash passwords in the first place. Right. The thing is, we have to assume that anything in the database can be accessed. There are 67 WordPress plugins last week, which had vulnerabilities in them. I imagine a percentage, a relatively high percentage of those had something called an SQL injection, which is basically where you can manipulate an SQL query to return data that you weren't expecting. So it doesn't really matter if I have admin privileges. If the data's in the database and I have another plugin that's vulnerable, you've now given me a chain which I can access that data. The database is not a safe place. We don't store secrets in the database without either a significant amount of hashing, which is what we do for passwords because we don't need to get them ever back. We only ever need to compare. And for data that we do need to retrieve and have to return, we encrypt. But we don't leave it in plain text. And a security plugin should know that. And more importantly, going out and basically bitching at your uh, people who are reporting this and saying things like it's hyperbole and it's all this, it just rubs wrongly and gives you a really bad place to be standing and looking. You know, you, you don't look like the good foot guys in this scenario. Um, and they, came out and they do not look like the good guys and it, you're just there going well okay this is a good company this is a uk company that have a relatively up until this point good reputation in terms of support into, and now that's that's tarnishing the rest of their brand so it goes beyond this one plugin now you're there going well if they don't manage that very well how many installs does updraft have hmm. well want to be do I, what happens when there's an issue in Updraft? Are they going to behave in exactly the same way? Is it going to take them several weeks to fix it? And that's perhaps unfair. Perhaps that, uh, that team would be so much better. But it doesn't matter because if you've got a security plugin, you, you're sort of putting yourself on a pedestal. And it sucks because, yeah, people are going to take pop shots at you, but you put yourself on a pedestal and uh, you have to say, I'm sorry and fix things when you're told you've got problems. Yeah. One of the wrinkles in this story was the length of time, wasn't it? It was the amount of time that it took between the first 
reporting of it and the amount of time that it took to be fixed. And there was some commentary in here. I can't remember what it was, but there was some thing from the developers which said why it had taken so long. And I believe it was because there was lots of backwards and forwards uh, with the testing of it. I can't really remember. Uh, but anyway, so the article there is all-in-one security plugin patches sensitive data exposure vulnerability in version 5.2.0. Um, I've got a few podcast episodes about a subject very similar to this, but related to other plugins as well. I've got three podcasts more or less in a row about this from the developer's side of the plugins in question, but also from the security researcher's side. So that'll be on the podcast fairly soon. I'm making sure that I've recorded all three episodes before I release any of them so that not one of them can listen to the other one first. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if that all works out. Uh, maybe it'll be snail news by then. But uh, Judge Wrigley. That's I, what I know. I know. I was trying to be really fair. Uh, but Zubair um, and Bob, if you've got anything to say on that, please go for it now. We're kind of running out of time, so we'll have to be fairly pithy. Bob, anything? <laughs> I guess vulnerability and security saying anything in front of Nash. <laughs> it's been like showing the torch to the sun. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's best to leave it to the professionals. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Okay, let's see if we got any comments on that. Uh, why on earth did AIO all in one, I guess, Security, getting the decrypted password anyway. I so see no reason a plugin would need them. To be honest with you, Nigel, I don't have an answer to that. Um, but okay, you've raised another interesting point. Thank you for that. And Andrew Palmer said they could have said, oops, it's a minor issue and we'll get it fixed in the next update. I guess, okay, you're getting the full-on fingers pointing at that comment from uh, <laughs> Tim there. I guess one of the things that w that plugin developers are kind of learning is that there is now a WordPress news cycle. That is a thing, right? You know, go back five years and probably something like this, a couple of people might have heard about it, might have got into some publication that a few people read. But now with things like the Tavern, which has really kind of done a great job in hoovering up the WordPress news over the years, you know, you've got Jeff and then Justin and now Sarah holding the torch. They're, uh, they've got a massive audience, and so if something's written on there, it quickly becomes something. So anyway, yeah, there's just another thought. Right. Okie dokie. We've got a piece about affiliates. I think we'll probably miss this out. I just want to raise this one next, I think. This is, uh, this is the good old state of Oregon. I don't know anything about the state of Oregon, so it might be neither good nor old. I don't know. But the, the state of Oregon... Uh, this comes from the Termageddon website, and there is something called the SB619 Compliance Guide. And the reason this has reached my doorstep is because I subscribe to a bunch of WordPress uh, content, and Termageddon came out with this piece this week. And I just thought it was curious because it does feel, um, and I suspect there's a couple of people in the comments here who will actually know a lot more about it than I do. It does feel as if Oregon have decided to l be a bit more how should we say this? A bit more EU in their approach to data and what's allowed to be held. So quick bullet points. Um, you don't need to worry about this. If you are not in any way dealing with the state of Oregon and its people, there's number one. But also, you, if you're not controlling the personal data of 100,000 
or more residents of Oregon. This legislation apparently has no teeth. Um, you also, the processors or controllers also need to be holding the data of 25,000 residents. Um, but I don't quite know how those two things are different. Um, but if you are holding that data, then the, these people are allowed to get a lot from you. So if there's a data breach, you have to report it properly. Um, if they want data back from you, you have to return it to them. If they want their data deleting, you have to delete it for them. Uh, all of this kind of stuff. This feels very much like the stuff that we've been talking about in Europe for years and years and years. And this has some teeth, it looks like, because if you are in violation of this, $7,500 per violation, and per violation means per website visitor whose privacy rights were infringed upon. So you can imagine this quickly for a, a big-ish website in this, you know, where all of those caveats were met. Suddenly you're into the half a million, million possibly. I guess it ramps up fairly, fairly quickly. But I just thought it was curious because I don't really remember a story coming out of the US. And forgive me if I'm wrong, uh, I don't remember a story coming out of the US where it felt like this had a lot of overlap with the kind of European approach to data and the right to be forgotten and all of that kind of stuff. So again, I'll throw it out there. If you've got anything to say about this, feel free. If not, I will just quickly move on. I'm just wondering the people that have nine, 99,999 Oregon residents on their list, what they're doing right now, but they are thing where you can't even select Oregon as a state and the form. I am. If I was the owner of that website, I am taking out every form on my yeah. website, which can it can consume data about new people. Yeah, that's interesting. Some kind of arbitrary, arbitrary length. Thank you. Thanks. Oh dear, we were hacked, and now everybody had, for all all they did was change one database field. They seem to have selected Alberta for everybody <laughs> instead of Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Calculations. <laughs> I love that piece, but thank you to Tom again. I think it was Benatha, uh, sorry, I apologize, um, who wrote that piece. So I'll link to it in the show notes. Right, okay. I don't even get what this is, but I know that I have to get it. Can somebody please explain pass keys to me? So I know that passwords and usernames like is broken going forwards. We can't keep doing this. Uh, people who are using a password manager that's helpful because you can put in stupidly long passwords, but you've got this single point of failure. Just read the LastPass story from last year. Um, but I still, I don't get what a pass key is. So again, sorry, Tim, it's like you're on the shelf for this episode, aren't you? What the heck is a pass key and how does it work? So a pass key is simply a different factor that is from a password. Uh, you have passkeys, you just don't realize that. Uh, now, traditionally, a passkey would be a physical device that you could plug in. And I was hoping that I, I was going to say, and here's mine. It's just lying oh, around on you, my table. But a YubiKey, yeah. Yeah, a YubiKey. It's a really good example as a backing. But so is the biometrics on your phone. So is the fingerprint reader. So is the facial recognition on, as you, if you've got a camera and you're getting a, uh, on a Windows machine, you can log in without via the webcam on your face. All of these are extra factors. Historically, what we did was use these as multi-factors. So we would say, you have to have a password, 
and then you have something that you own, something that you own and manage. Now, passkeys are a, a, an auto- alternative way where we say, actually, what you remember is not working. So we're just going to go with making you have many factors that you have to use. And that by giving you different options, we're going to, we can just, as long as you have multiple different ways of proving your way in, that's fine. We can dump password one because that's the one that is the most insecure of the lot in theory. So I've set up, right, a few weeks ago, Gmail or Google, right? Google's, my Google account prompted me, do you want to set up passkeys? And I thought, yes, I'm a good boy. I will do the latest, most secure thing. So I did something and then I got distracted. And now every time I log into my Google account, it says, do you want to use your passkey? And I click yes. And it asked me to do things like scan QR codes with the phone that I've synced with it. And I'm like, I don't remember doing that. I don't even, ha- where the heck are these things? That's the bit that so, I'm lost in. So, um, uh, a good, so in that scenario, uh, I would try probably what would happen is if you took your phone that you have from, that you've got there and you open it up and you scan the QR code, it will take, it will ask you to go to a link. You click on the link and that will loop through and it will look through whatever authentication system is being used on your phone. If it's an Android phone, then that links in with Google system and Google can go, oh, that phone is registered and attached to this account and therefore you can process through. So, right. Just to be clear, it's not that there's something on this phone, like specifically on this phone that's on no other phone. Or is there, or is it just at some point in the past? It knows that that phone has been attached to the account. Oh, got it. And therefore, phone is your factor. So what they're then doing is asking you to prove the existence that the phone is in your hand in some way. Got it. I'm such a Luddite. What the heck am I doing on this show? (laughs) It just, this seems so, so self-evident now. But honestly, I don't have... Like, does that mean I just open up any barcode scanner? Because I have the barcode scanner app or the Google Photos app or whatever. Yeah, I mean, any I imagine if you use Google Lens or whatever one, that that's probably a more seamless experience. Uh, I, I, I'm not inside the Android app, app ecosystem anymore, so I can't really attest to how it works. But um, it's, Apple has an almost exactly the same mechanism where... Uh, you can go through their process and all of a sudden it will, your phone will start buzzing and it will say, oh, do you want to approve this device? Uh, if you're using um, password manager like Bitwarden, that will allow you to authenticate on a separate device. Uh, so yeah, th- these things are slowly happening where we're going away from this idea that you are have to remember this thing and we're going more to, hey, We've, we've got enough points to prove, to build a case to prove that this person is the, is the right person and put them forward. Okay. Um, got it. Next time I'm with you in like a WordCamp Europe Bowl, I'm going to use your face as my passkey. And every time I need to log into anything, I'm going to phone you up on Zoom or something. Can you just stare into this for a minute? <laughs> I'll be used. Um, yeah, thank you. That's actually explained it for me. I think I get it. I think the bit that I'm not getting is that there isn't an associated Google app. I'm kind of expecting there to be something that when I try to log into Google, something pops up on my phone like it did do in the past, which says, is this you? Yes. I'm, I'm expecting that step to be proactive on, on the, the phone side, but it's not. I can just scan it with any old QR scanner. I 
have understood. Thank you. Um, right. Great. Thank you. Oh, hello, Ben. We were talking about uh, Stackable just a moment ago, Ben. You missed it. But it looks like you've got a typhoon heading over the Philippines. So ooh, uh, go and get some shelter, Ben. I hope that everything's all right. That sounds that sounds awful. Yeah, Google Authenticator. Oh, well, I'm using that at the moment for 2FA. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, Bob, Zubair, anything on that? Or shall we move on? Oh, I should have said, the reason I mentioned it is because if you've got a GitHub account, you can do it over there. That was the whole point of mentioning that. Right, where are we at now? Bob, this is your piece. What's going on with WordCamp US? Not much. I mean, just I, I just thought since it's, what, tomorrow that it happens? Yeah, tomorrow. Oh, is this the it, final it, round? Yeah. yeah, this is the final round right. so for all those people that have been kind of freaking out, taking uh, oh. set their alarm, I guess. And go and buy you know a what? ticket. <laughs> That's really interesting because I actually mm. was content. I I've just recently given. I'm I bought a ticket because I was hoping to go, and I I gave it to somebody just the other day, and it sounded from everything that I was hearing that there was no such final round. They'd all gone, yeah. but there it is. So they start tomorrow, twenty fifth. Don't know what time. Looks like twelve p.m. Eastern. So that'll be the last little batch. I don't know how many are left, but if you are looking to go to that event. You've got a very short space of time to find them. Hmm. Have we got time for this? We've only got three minutes left. Looks like we've left. I was going to say, you put up one heck of an article for three minutes, you know. Uh, we ha we, we can't. Can we do this in three <laughs> minutes or do we wait for this for another week? Oh, should we do it quickly? And uh, are you all right if we overrun for a few minutes, everybody? Bob? Yeah. You yeah. nod yeah. or not? I can do a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's just quickly tackle this one then. So, uh, Sarah Gooding, WordPress contributors demand transparency and objective guidelines for listings on recommended hostings page. So, there is a recommended hosting page, if you didn't know. And up until recently, there were, I believe, three hosting companies, one of which was SiteGround, a company that I'm sure many of you have heard of. And that pay, that company has been removed. The, the reason that makes this, the reason that, that there's a story around this is because it would appear that there isn't really much insight into how something gets on that page, but also why they get taken off the page. Uh, so transparency, I guess, is the right word there. So will new things be coming onto the page? We don't know. Will things be coming off the page? Why was this removed? We don't know. And I think it was Tim that posted this one. I missed this piece. So, Tim, I think you've got thoughts. Well, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm going to stand up for every small host or every host that's ever existed. Uh, that page is presumably gold dust. Uh, once you're on that page, you, you as a company are probably set for life. Uh, while I appreciate EIG and, and others are huge corporate entities, that page has helped promote them and push them in push them to the places they are today. Uh, that page is controlled by one person. I think it's fair to say Matt has made it very clear that he controls that page. He alone makes the decisions. He also owns a hosting company who is a direct competitor to everybody who would want to go on that page. Even in the best world in the world, he cannot say he is not biased. And he cannot say that he is not influenced. Uh, and why he, uh, well, and I sort of understand why he set, set himself up to do this is because he didn't want anybody else to have to deal with how much hell it would be 
to organize and manage that page. But consequently, we are in a state where one person is controlling a humongous amount of influence and he's come along and said, I'm going to make some changes. And everybody's gone, okay, well, can we start with change number one, which is building a team that will pick this, that ideally have no outside influences, don't work for hosting companies, don't work for competitors, et cetera, et cetera. And the response was not, what a great idea. The response was, I might change one of the questions on the questionnaire. Ah, got it. Okay, so here we go. Let's let's read uh, review. Signal, which uh, I think is a company which every, let's say every year, I could be wrong about that, produce uh, quite a lot of metrics about different WordPress hosting companies. Uh, a guy called Kevin O.R.C. I do apologize if I've butchered your name. Uh, he makes some commentary here, and this is probably the bit that you're talking about. Getting listed on that page is likely worth millions of dollars to any company in terms of business generated I think the process and criteria should be transparent and clear from the beginning. I also also think who is involved with evaluating should be known beforehand as well. At least give companies and consumers the information they deserve to evaluate and participate uh, in the outcome. Yes, that's the story. I'll hand it over to Zubir and Bob if they've got anything about this. You know, I, I just think, yeah, I mean, it's a hot mess. You know, it's like it, and I don't know how long it's been there. You know, I, it seems like it's been there as long as I can almost remember and whatever the initial reasons for starting it, leaving it up there and leaving it gathering kind of gold dust, like you said, <laughs> you know, was maybe the mistake. And now we're at a point where I honestly don't think, I, I think it's going to be damned if you do, damned if you don't type thing. I mean, it's, there's going to be somebody somewhere that, or several somebody somewhere that no matter what we do, they're not going to be happy. And like Tim said, there's a lot. I mean, I'm amazed. I get contacted by these hosting companies and they keep cropping up a lot of these little hosting companies. And, you know, do you draw a line at some point? And, you know, what is just, it's crazy. It's, uh, it's, it almost gives me nightmares to think of a page or recommending hosts. I mean, I never even wrote posts like that when I would do tutorials just because it was like, who do I put on here? Because everybody, you know, yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I just hope they can figure it out. I mean, I, I don't have any good answers for it, you know, and I'm hoping between everybody that's wanting to do something that, you know, something can be figured out or, you know, I, I don't know. It's, like I said, I, it's a... I just typed into uh, google.co.uk. I typed in the phrase, which I suspect is a very, very commonly typed in phrase. And I can't say whether you'd get the same results. I'm in an incognito window, by the way. So there's no, there's no account bias here. Uh, typed in WordPress hosting and the number one search uh, right at the top there is, is the page in question, uh, WordPress hosting. So now, I guess until the last few weeks or so, this would have said Bluehost, Dreamhost, and SiteGround. So now we're missing the SiteGround one, and, but we don't know uh, who's going to be on there next. And obviously, if the, the process is the question, isn't it? Whether or not there should be some kind of oversight there, there um, and how that's done. But certainly, if Google are sending, you know, if you're typing in a phrase like that, it, I would imagine there's a very large amount of traffic 
uh, going in that direction. Peter Ingersoll's got a comment, like all of us, I think of several hosting companies that are great hosts, contribute and contribute more, and are more engaged in the WordPress community, never mind all those that just, it looks like this system doesn't post if you go over a certain word limit, never mind those that are just good WP hosts. And Courtney says, I'll give a plug for folks to get involved in make WP hosting team. Indeed, Lee Doodley. I think very quickly on Courtney's point, there, that it's really important to say that there is a make WordPress hosting team. They have no control over that page whatsoever. And in fact, I've been planning on doing their own page separately. So, because it's, that's how much of a hot mess it is. Uh, and it's a really frustrating moment because we, there is this team that can take part, but then not, yeah, yeah, that page should just be deleted. It should have been deleted 10 years ago. Andrew Palmer. I don't know. Says there's a new paragraph asking people if they'd like to get listed. Oh yeah. Right at the bottom, be listed on this page. We'll be looking at this several times a year. So keep an eye out for, I don't know if this paragraph is new, so I probably won't it's read it. Out to it's oh. been there for a for years and yeah i remember i remember filling in the form or being part of the group that was filling in the form so no it's not new. there's a there's a list on that on that paragraph about things that you must do or not do rather but there isn't a there's no sort of like here's the process that you'll have to go through or anything so anyway there we go um right that's it we've run out of time i do apologize we've overrun slightly i am so sorry about that I'd just like to say thank you to Zibair for joining us for the first time. Thank you so much. I hope you come back. And uh, also thanks to Tim Nash and to Bob. I'm pointing the wrong way. Bob's over there. Oh, I don't know Bob is. He's over there somewhere. Uh, there. There's Bob. Now it's the Zibair. I don't know if you know about this. We have to, we have to, every, we have to do this slightly humiliating wave of the hands. Everybody does this thing. So if we could all just raise our hands. I wonder if we can get Bob to... Raise his hands. Or, no, I think Bob's frozen. I think. Oh, no, oh there man. he goes. There he goes. We got him. Thank you so much. I appreciate you willing to, to do that. Very somewhat humiliating. Thanks. But thank you for you three for joining us. Thank you to all of the people who made comments. There was quite a lot today. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll knock it on the head. Uh, just to say, this platform, by the way, when we go away, it, uh, it, it sends a little video. Uh, so you three, if you want to stick around for 10 or so seconds, well, there'll be a little, not video, it's like a holding slide, but I'll see you in 10 seconds. See you guys. See the rest of you next week.